Good morning, everybody. I always count it a privilege and an honour to be able to stand up here before you and, and share things. So thank you for listening. Thank you for bothering. <laughs> um, last time, uh, I shared about the importance of the, our inner lives. Um, this morning, um, I'm looking at one aspect of our inner lives that can cause us problems. I want to share on the subject of envy. And um, I want to look at this subject in, under three headings. Uh, three questions. Number one, what is envy? Number two, how can I deal with envy? And number three, number two, why deal with envy? And number three, that's not going very well at the moment, is it? <laughs> well, thanks for staying listening anyway. Um, uh, thank you. Right. Okay. Uh, so uh, what is God's wisdom to us about this, this subject? It's not often talked about. E ever anybody heard a, so a sermon on envy here? Yeah, oh, lots of them. Right, okay. Well, anyway, here's another one. Um, so first of all, what is envy? But before I do that, I'm going to read a passage from the Bible. It's Psalm 73. So it says in Psalm 73, verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. My heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. So what is envy? Well, in its simplest form, basically you want something that you don't have that somebody else has got. And in this psalm, the psalmist says they've got no struggles, strong and healthy bodies, free from common human burdens and ills, Free of care, amassing wealth. Well, there's tons in there to get envious of, isn't there? Uh, and uh, we talk about people like that, perhaps, as having like a charmed life. Or living the life of Riley. Uh, don't put your hands up. Anybody um, ever been envious? Your hand just wants to go up. Just keep it down, keep it down. Okay, you'll see why in just a moment. But <laughs> it's really another way of putting it is you want somebody else's life you're not happy with your own you want somebody else's life quite natural isn't it but it goes further you know it goes to the point where you actually resent the person for having what you haven't got you're angry about it the the opposite of envy is to admire someone or to praise them so like you'd say uh, you know oh that was so good, your singing. Yeah, I just can't do that. I so admire the way you, you do that. And that's the polar opposite to envy, which is angry at the person who has something that you don't have. Envy works in reverse. Um, because when people fall or fail that we're envious of, we're happy. <laughs> So envy is being happy at other people's unhappiness, unhappy at their happiness. 
two of the most famous actors of the 20th century were Sir Laurence Olivier and Sir John Gielgud. And in his autobiography, which I haven't read, but in his autobiography, John Gielgud writes this. He says, he writes, when Sir Laurence Olivier played Hamlet in 1948 and the critics raved, I wept. He was rejoicing, I was weeping. That's envy. Well, second question then. Why deal with envy? Surely, surely, there's loads of other bad sins, like lust, like being a really proud and arrogant so-and-so. It's like that, surely. You can't help being envious. Why bother dealing with it? I want to give you four reasons why it will benefit you and I if we try and deal with envy, with God's help. Number one, this is good enough in itself, I reckon. It's jolly bad for your health. Proverbs 14.30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Well, I'd rather have a healthy life for as long as I'm going to live, and so it's to my advantage and yours if we can deal with it. Second reason I want to put to you as to why it's helpful to deal with envy is it's a bit like, I'll tell you what it is in a minute, but it's a bit like a destructive computer virus. It likes to hide itself and then destroy you when it gets a moment. But the second thing is envy actually hides itself. Do you know what? If you actually envy, say, a, a, a peer of yours or somebody you know, and the last thing you want to admit is that you envy them. You want to keep it quiet. Why? Because, well, it makes you so small, doesn't it? So needy, so so shriveled, so kind of ungenerous, so miserly. Oh, don't want to admit I'm envious of you. There's a guy called Joseph Epstein. Not, I think someone called Epstein got, got into trouble recently in America, didn't he? Well, it's not him. He's an author and he wrote a book on envy. And here's a quote from his book. Most of us could still sleep decently if accused of anger or pride or lust or even greed. But to be accused of envy would be by far the worst. So clearly does such an accusation go directly to character. The other sins, though, oh, by the way, this guy's not a Christian. The other sins, though, all have the disapproval of religion, do not so thoroughly, deeply demean, diminish and disqualify a person as does envy. So what he's saying is here that, look, I never want to be found out to be lustful or proud or... or or lose my temper, but look, I don't want to be found out that I envy you. <laughs> I don't want that. <clears throat> and in Psalm 73, the psalm that I read there, he was looking back at his envy and, and, and actually coming to terms with it, coming to grips with it. And he says, my heart was grieved. And, and to be honest, that's how we put a respectable cover on our envy, our jealousy, is we say, oh, it's just so jolly unfair. They've got that, I've got this, and it's just not fair. And that's, I suppose, fair enough in a way. It's not fair. We don't live in a fair world. But he went a step further because he said, he didn't just say, um, I'm grieved, but he said, my heart has become embittered. He was bitter about the persons that he saw had what he didn't have, had the life that he didn't have. And he re resented them for it. And do you know what? When you, 
here's a challenge. So for me and you, when you look at your life, when I look at my life, um, is it possible, is it just possible that some of the areas where you might struggle, you might, there's, there's fractures in my life. I'm, I'm in turmoil inwardly, emotionally in my life and it kind of drains your life. Could it be envy? Could it be envy that's in your life? For example, you know someone at work maybe or at school or whatever and, and, and you just find that they jolly well get under your skin. They're a pain in the arm. <laughs> and you just find you're hypercritical of them. You might not say it out loud, loud but it's just niggle after niggle after niggle after niggle. Could it be envy? Could it be envy? I don't know. But envy damages your body. It damages your inner world. Third thing is it steals your joy and your peace. Steals from you. Again, this guy, Joseph Epstein, let me quote him again. He says this, giving into sloth, that is laziness, is rather pleasant. Or... Losing your temper provides a, a release that is not without its small delights. And lust, greed, pride bring quite a bit of pleasure for quite a long time. Only envy is absolutely no fun at all. Draining all joy from you from its very first moment, we have all felt envy's desperate, deep, soul-destroying, lacerating stabs. Isn't that a good bit of prose? A good bit of writing? Let me ask you this. Over your life, over my life, is there any sense of self-pity? You look at yourself and you think of my history and your life and so on, you think, life's just not been fair to me. And it may not have been fair to you in, in all reality. But you just are unhappy you're grieved. Could even be bitter about it. Could it be envy? Could there be envy there? Well, let me tell you this. It's not good news. It steals from you. Steals your joy. Steals your peace. Hurts you on the inside. Hurts you on the outside. Fourth reason, envy, it's good if we can do something about it, is it stops you enjoying the good things that you do have in your life. Okay, you may not be a millionaire. You may not be someone who you'd like to be. But you do have a lot of good things in your life. And it steals, it stops you enjoying those things. It's rather like a factory that belches out pollution into a nice clean river. And it just poisons the life that's in it. stops you enjoying what you have. Someone called envy comparisonitis. And here's another way. You can identify it. I don't know if you can identify this or not, but um, nothing's ever quite good enough. The way you look, your life, your body, your, your job, your relationships, there's just something always missing. You can never just sit down and savor the moment. Say, so, oh, it's just great, isn't it? You can never do that because you're, there's always something missing, something you're after that you've not got. Could it be envy? 
there are, there are some of us, some of us find ourselves in a situation where we need a sense of achievement to have success or to reach a certain status in life. And if we've not got that, we're not justified in our life. We, we feel we're, we're lacking. I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the um, Rocky films. Anybody into that? Uh, and uh, in one of, the, one of the films, there's Rocky and he's an underdog boxer. And he's got a, uh, a fellow underdog, a lady called Adrian. And uh, Rocky just wants, to, he just wants to get through the round. He just wants to get through to the end of the boxing match. So he says to Adrian, he says, I just want to go the whole distance. And Adrian's, Adrian's reply to him is, why? Why? Why do you want to do that? Because then I, won't be, I know I won't be a bum. And some of us, if we... Some of us don't, don't succeed in life in everything that we want to. Some of us have broken marriages. Some of us have broken jobs, businesses we've done that have failed. Some things haven't worked out in our life. Or am I the only one in this room? Um, and, uh, and the thing is, we feel somehow inadequate. But you know what? You know the answer to that is? The greatest consolation... The greatest thing you can know in your life is whether you've succeeded or failed, whether you're where you think you should be in society or not. The greatest consolation, most heartwarming thing is to know that God accepts you and delights in you for who you are, not because of what you do, not because of what you've achieved, not because of what you succeeded in, simply loves you for you. That's it. Bottom line. He delights in you. He delights in you. So you've not got to prove yourself to anyone. So Rocky doesn't have to do the full distance to be approved. How can I deal with envy? How can I deal with envy? A few things. Go through them quite quickly. Shift your focus to the good things you have in your life. Oh, that's great. And practice being thankful for what you've got. Third thing, spend time with grateful people. Avoid negative, pessimistic miseries. Thank you. <laughs> I won't say who I'm mixed with, but anyway. And remind yourself that nobody's got it all. The people we think have what we want have their own struggles and shortcomings that they struggle with. You just don't see them. You just don't see them. Five. Here's, a, here's something I found in my own life. Don't know if, you, if it'll work for you or not. But look, Paul says, consider others more important than yourself. In humility, consider others more important than yourself. Well, if they've got something I want but I haven't got, and I'm tempted to envy, well, look, if I consider them more important than me, they deserve it, right? It's just a trick of the mind, I think. But it works. I've applied that to people who have irritated me. No one in this room. <laughs> no one in this town. <laughs> Be generous. Another thing, someone who irritates me, anybody who irritates me, for whatever reason, be it envy, be it whatever, be generous towards them. I'm not going to be generous. They've got that. I haven't got it. Pray for them. Pray God's blessing on their lives. There have been two people who have irritated me over the last 10 years, not in this room. Certainly, honestly, it's not anybody in this room. And, um, 
And I've prayed for them. I said, God bless. They don't deserve my prayers. They deserve to be blessed. They're already better than me and everything else. Pray God's blessing on their lives and you'll be amazed. Instead of your joy and your peace being drained from you, the peace and love of God comes pouring in on the other side. Be generous. Pray for them. Know that one day, number seven, one day God will put all wrongs and injustices right. We have a beautiful world in which we live, but it's ruined through the selfishness of people, and I'm one of those people. There's so much injustice, inequality. Do you, can you imagine living in a world where there's none of that? Can I tell you, your destiny is there. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The home, the Bible says, of righteousness. That's where things are right, in the right place. There won't be any inequality, any injustice. And see, a big part of envy is, is fair enough. It's okay. It's good because it's not wrong to want to have a body that works. It's not wrong to want to have a marriage that works, that succeeds, and do well in your work to have a nice house to live in and a decent car to drive. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a good thing to, to want. In fact, God says he blesses us richly with all things for our enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with those things. But how do we cope when we've not got those things and we say all around us, other people somewhere in the world or somewhere in our sitting room even, that has those things? But if you know that what is coming sooner than you think is the complete satisfaction of the deepest longings, if you like, of your soul, of your heart. Beyond your wildest imagination. Let's not forget, we don't just talk about hell in Christendom. There is a heaven, you know. What is heaven? It's not horrible. It's a place of bliss, of contentment, of, of deep peace and Joy and satisfaction beyond your wildest imaginations. We're so screwed up in this world, we often don't know what he heaven is. But I can tell you, it's going to be wonderful. A place of righteousness and justice and hope and love and peace and the deepest satisfaction that anyone can ever know. I don't even know if you can know it on earth. I think Paul, or Paul was caught up to, was it the seventh heaven? <laughs> and he, you know, he, 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 he experienced something of that, didn't he? But that's your destiny. And maybe, just maybe, when you set your mind on that and you realise that that's what's coming, that's your destiny, maybe it can kill the envy that seeks to rise up in our hearts. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth coming. The home of righteousness where all wrongs will be put right. All unrighteousness dealt with. And this is your destiny. This is where you're going. So when you think of the discontent in your heart, think of that. And then uh, two last things. Number nine is this. Hebrews 12 and verse 3 says, consider him. Consider him. Who's that? Jesus. Who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And uh, you see, on the cross, this is it fascinating thought on the cross Jesus was in the most unenviable, unenviable 
was in the most unenviable <laughs> position that anybody could ever have been in, both in the past and ever in the future. Why? Because Jesus wasn't just an ordinary man. He was, but he was also totally God. So if you think of the height from which he's fallen, God the Almighty in heaven coming down to us, dying the death of a common criminal, although he'd done no wrong, how high is that to be reduced to? I mean, the criminals either side of him had actually done wrong. Okay, it was a brutal way to die, but they hadn't fallen as much as he had. He was in the most unenviable position of any person ever in the past or can be in the future. The other interesting thing is, what was it that put Jesus on the cross? Envy. The Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious authorities, hated him. They despised him so much they wanted him dead. I mean, you may have envied somebody. Probably, oh, I don't know, but probably don't want them dead. <laughs> but they wanted Jesus dead. And they got their way. He hung on the cross. But you know when he was hanging on the cross? He didn't cry out or complain or wasn't envious of them that had put him there. That they were all right and he wasn't. He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And do you know that's his heart for you today? For you? I don't know if there's envy in your heart. Might be, might not be. Might be something else. One of the other so-called deadly sins. <laughs> but whatever it is in your heart that there is, you can come today to Jesus, who as we've heard from Neat, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and bring to him your envy, your sin, your failure. The thing that, the thing that, churns you up on the inside of you. And you can bring that to Jesus today. He's alive. Bring it to the cross. Say, Lord, see, he died for your sin. He died. They, it was envy that killed Jesus. And it was envy that Jesus died for. And our sins. And you can come to him today. So I just wonder if the worship group would be willing to come up and we will. The last thing. The last thing, number 10, how can I deal with envy, begin to deal with envy? To come into the sanctuary of God. The psalmist, the bit I wrote, I envied sinners until I came into the sanctuary of God. We hear this man was finally able to get on top of his, his envy. How? He had a close encounter of the real kind. He had a close encounter with the Lord. He came into his presence. Have you ever come into the presence of the Lord personally, intimately in your own life? Have you? Have you? Or is it a distance away? Have you, do you know the Lord personally in your own life? Has he come into your being? Has he come into you? That's what being a Christian is. And this man, I didn't understand until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Then the deepest needs of my heart were being flooded by the love and, love and acceptance of God. And David writes about this in Psalm uh, 63. So he writes this, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because... Listen to this. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. What about this? What about, you know, we envy because we're not satisfied. 
with our life. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. And you can come to God and you experience his intimate presence. And part of the way we enter the presence of God is through praise and worship. We're going to just sing a song in closing. And what I want you to do is we'll stand in a minute, if that's all right with you, and you can. And I'd love you just to put your hands out. Whether, you, whether there are envies in your life or not, forget that. I don't want people looking around, oh, they're, they're envy there. No, don't forget, got to be quiet about it. Keep it secret, okay? But um, we don't want to admit that. <laughs> but whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, whatever the need is, whatever the burden, whatever the, whatever the schism in your heart right now, whatever the gnawing pain that you're experiencing right now, you can bring that to the Lamb of God who died on the cross to take your failures, your sorrows, the things you're not that you wish you were, and to heal you of that this morning.